You're listening to the Grassroots Church Podcast. We're a Jesus-centered community in Thunder Bay, Ontario. You can learn how to participate more by going to our website at grassroots.church. Well, hi, folks. Thanks for coming out today. I appreciate it. It's nice to spend time together. I was actually really looking forward to coming today because it is a thing I do to refresh. And I know you do, too. You come here uh, because... uh, we like hanging out together. Uh, we walk away better for it. Nice. Thanks. Top button, I guess, is forward. Oh, no. There we go. Nice. Uh, it's not quite going to work out. You're going to see that it's cut off a little bit. Should be all right. No worries. It'll... No, no. No, it's all right. Oh, nice. Yeah. So we're going to, so yeah, I am happy to be here. This doesn't bother me at all. So don't let it bother you at all either. Um, Last time on Renewed Rhythms, we're in the middle of a series. Uh, We've looked at Sabbath, prayer, scripture reading. I think we skipped fasting, right? This is according to the booklet. Uh, And we are currently in submission. Uh, that's uh, the series uh, that we're working on right now. And um, for those of you uh, who know my hobbies, uh, I used AI, AI for idea generation, research, and proofreading. AI did not write this sermon. So, um, I do work with uh, that type of tech on a daily basis. So um, we're going to keep going or? Oh, there we go. Oh, look at this. Okay, I'll just keep going. So last time on Renewed Rhythms, uh, we listened to a sermon about scripture reading. And Steve talked about, uh, I took a quote and then uh, just tidied up the the ums and the ahs uh, in the quote. Sorry about this, guys. I'll just keep going. Yeah, no worries. I'm just going to keep going. So, last time on Renewed Rhythms, Steve talked about the, disciple, or the discipline of scripture reading. And uh, he said, the way of Jesus is the opposite of control. Control is the exact opposite of what Jesus was trying to do with his apprentices. Following Jesus is all about learning to give up control, to trust his way instead of ourselves and what we can understand. Information is not what will transform us. When it comes to reading scripture, the challenge for us is to shift our approach from reading just for information rather than the pursuit of formation. And uh, it was a great sermon for me. I I pulled out a bunch of quotes um, because I, I listened to it and I thought, what a great setup for a sermon on submission. A sermon on submission um, is rooted in scripture and it's rooted in the goal of transforming us to be more like Jesus Christ. Now, I do have to say that sermons on this subject, this particular word, have usually been icky uh, in my lifetime. I've asked around, 
and almost all of you by hand have heard a single sermon on submission your whole life. It's only ever preached at one audience, and it's only ever preached on one or two or three or four. I think there's maybe five verses on it that all say the same thing. And um, it usually, in, I'm making this up, but it usually ended up a very quiet ride home in the car. <laughs> and then we would all go to McDonald's, except my mom, who would sit on the couch. That's generally how every sermon we've ever heard on submission goes. Now, you're all laughing because it's true. But the word submission shows up a lot. We're asked to submit to God, resist the devil. We're asked to submit to human authority. We're asked to submit ourselves to our elders. We're asked to submit to leaders' authority. And a, a good counterpoint to the sermons we've heard, someone has actually done a counterpoint movie on that, and they made a billion dollars on it last year. So you might want to uh, check out the color pink there and maybe watch one of last year's biggest movies, um, the Barbie movie. <laughs> check it out. Ideas are changing on this stuff. But the reality is submission makes up, submission is the act of uh, accepting or yield to a, yielding to a superior force. I'm just going to say that again. Submission is the act of yielding or accepting a, to a, a superior force or the authority or will of another person. It's really simple. Submission is entirely learned. Everything you submit to is entirely learned from the time you're born until now. Most of the time, it is unconscious. It is easy and it is invisible. On one side of the equation, or on the other, submission makes up almost every, moves, every move in the dance of life. We are either being submitted to, or we are submitting to someone else at all times. And I need to, to say this, it really ain't no big deal, until it is. Right? You got here, and you submitted to a long series of stop signs, red lights, and it wasn't a thing at all. You put on your clothes because you were conditioned to do that. You chose specific clothes because you would know the community here would like those clothes. <laughs> you um, combed your hair. You, you um, drove your car, you buy a certain car, you eat certain foods, you do all of these things because you are either in submission or you want other people to submit to you or you need other people to submit to you. It really isn't a big deal until it is. Accepting or yielding to a force or authority is something we do all the time and it's absolutely necessary to live in community. Hermits don't need to submit because they have no relationships. Non-Christians don't need to submit to God because they do not have a relationship with God. Married people have to yield more than single people because they are married. 
married people with children have to submit and yield more than people who are married without children. Christians have to submit more because we choose to be a part of yet another community with more relationships and more opportunities to submit and or yield or submit and or be yielded to. The more relationships you are in, the more you will find this. And I'll go back. It ain't no thing. It's what we do. So, the dance of life is easy when you know the steps. On the warm side of the equation of submission, you get things like persistence, resilience, determination, fortitude, adaptability, patience, dedication, courage, optimism, gratitude, growth, empowerment, mindfulness, compassion, harmony. Have you ever been on a high-performance team? Have you ever completed like a professional designation or a trade? Have you ever learned like a really technical skill? That all required absolute submission. I love watching the winter classic game of the NHL. The teams walk in in the most ridiculous uniforms. They're costumes. These are multi-millionaires who have spent their entire life learning a particular skill, learning how to operate on a high-performance team. They have submitted, submitted, and submitted their whole life. And here they are walking in on camera in front of people wearing silly outfits. Why? Because the, the absolute outcome of the team is so much more important than the outcome for them. Hockey players still to this day wear suits on game day. If you don't wear a suit, don't be on the team. If you don't eat right, don't be on the team. If you're going to break curfew, don't be on the team. The higher you get into performance, the more submission there is. The higher performance your team is, the more submission there is. We all know this. We all know the warm side of the equation. Persistence, resilience, our team makes us better. Determination, fortitude, it brings out the best in us. Patience, dedication, courage, it reflects the good things of those around us and introduces us to people who absolutely change our lives. These people are the people we talk about to our children and we say, be like this person. And those people are fully submitted and on board. Now, there's a cold side to the equation, too. And I don't want to pretend that this isn't there. To suffer, to tolerate, to yield, to forbear, to sacrifice, to comply, to concede, to acquiesce, to bear with, to withstand, to resign ourselves, to abide, to reconcile, to relinquish. I've been on these teams, too. Where, oh my goodness, I am not making it. It is everything I can do to do this. And I am being crushed by this. And we all have stories that we tell our children of people who were in authority over us who made our lives hard. The top player on a hockey team who acts like Jesus plays their position well. 
but they play it so well that everyone else's position just becomes easier. The top player on a team that doesn't act like Jesus plays their position equally well, and they take all the credit. The worst player on a team who acts like Jesus, grinds it out, goes in early, learns the skills, ups their fitness, betters their nutrition, studies the plays, and sometimes they don't even make the mark and they still get cut. But they try and they try and they try for the betterment of the team. The worst player on the team who doesn't act like Jesus says, this is a stupid team, I'm better than this, I'm leaving. Lighten up, Paul. A couple weeks ago, we had uh, a sermon by Scott Baker. He's not here today, but we uh, learned the Baker's Confession. The Baker's Confession is a creed of God's people from 2024, and it goes as follows. Father in heaven, I do not like, insert spiritual discipline here. Rarely has it made sense to me, but I love you, and you ask me to do it, because Jesus did it, so I will. Amen. I loved Scott Baker's sermon because he got up here and said, uh, I don't like prayer. It doesn't make sense to me. But I'm doing it because God asked me to do it. The Bible says to do it. And you know what? It's changing my life. Good man. Good man. We have really, really good examples of this submission characteristic in our own community. It's part of what makes us a super attractive community, folks. Here at Grassroots, we are not afraid to say the baker's confession. Father in heaven, what you're asking me to do, I do not like, and rarely do I understand it. But I love you. And you ask me to do it because Jesus did it, so I will. Amen. I'm going to read some uh, Bible to you now. It's from uh, a letter that a fellow wrote uh, to his friends. It's called The Joy Letter. And uh, it was uh, a huge part of my teen years. I was a really nerdy teen. I uh, bought things like typewriters. uh, And I bought biblical commentaries at like 14, 15 years old. Um, So this was one of the first commentaries I purchased and read So Philippians chapter 2, it says, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if there's any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the spirit, any tenderness or compassion, then make my joy complete. Uh, This is what the author is saying to a group of his friends. Make my joy complete by being like-minded and having the same love, being of one spirit and one mind. Um, These are the things, these are the benefits of hanging out in community. Encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort in his love, any common sharing in the spirit, tenderness, compassion. These are all the things we come to church for. They are the outcomes of the dance of life when the dance is going well. And uh, we come here and we we do the dance of life together and it goes so nicely and we go, oh, I love this. I feel tenderness, compassion, joy, love, these good things. Then the 
the, the author of the letter goes on to say, do not, nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, uh, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but, the, uh, but each of you to the interests of others. The better we get at being close to one another, the easier uh, the dance goes. All right, let me just see if I've got... Right. So, and then he goes on to explain uh, our example. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset, have the same thought, have the same attitude as Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Star player, making the whole team better. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus Christ is spectacular in that he comes into the earth, into this world of ours, and God with us, Emmanuel, changes all these rules of relationship. He redefines all the rules of relationship. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow on heaven or in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When we are in relationships and when we are in these, this dance, I'm not going to deny that we all want to be exalted. And I don't think you should either. <laughs> what an exaltation here. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. So I, I'm rushing myself to this last point, but I will read to get there. The passage goes on to say, continue to work, continue to work this out. Continue to work out what this means, folks. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fill, fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Look at that, a whole 24 lifetimes ago, they happened to have a warped and crooked generation. It might be a characteristic of generations in general. Who knows? Um, when you, uh, then you will shine uh, among them like the stars in the sky uh, as you hold firm to the word of life. Ah, so, talking about Bible reading again. Hold firm to the person of Jesus as we read in the scripture. Okay, uh, the question I got on this one as I was preparing was, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And this is where I um, 
I'll just tell you how I was raised. Um, my uh, Christian legacy can be traced back, as far as I know, to a, a person named uh, Tom Clegg. Tom Clegg uh, was from West Fort, a uh, working man, had a couple kids, um, uh, loved Jesus, went to a little church here in town, uh, met a young uh, fella by the name of Garth Wolf, because uh, uh, Garth started painting for him at uh, Tom's Painting Company. Uh, introduced um, Garth to Jesus, and it changed his life. Uh, this young man was in his early 20s, uh, and um, uh, Garth just fell in love with Jesus and the Christian community. Garth Wolf eventually uh, met and married uh, a woman who uh, had three kids, and I was one of those kids. Uh, I took my stepdad's name at 18 because... Um, you got to give credit where it's due. The, the dude did a great job. And, um, and all of my, as far back as I can tell, the legacy that I have is this, uh, that God is something completely other than me. I grew up uh, in, with a type of Christianity where uh, I was God's creation. Uh, God was not my creation. Uh, I grew up uh, with fear and trembling of God in the same way that I have uh, fear and trembling of electricity, fire, gravity, water. Those who do not fear electricity and work with electricity die. Those who do not fear fire and work with fire get burnt or die. Those who do not fear water, and work on the seas, drown. Those who do not fear God and live in God's world, for some reason, everything's always catching on fire, shocking them, and drowning them, and they don't know why. So the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. At the end of the matter, the wisest person in the world who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes said, at the end of the matter, fear God and obey his commands. I love reading wisdom literature because there's an exhaustion to the writing. They say things like, okay, just fear God already. It's old men looking at young men and all of their, but, but, what about, and they're just going, okay, grab the wire. <laughs> Jump out of the boat. You're going to figure it out eventually. Fear God and obey his commands. So I don't fear God. I fear God. Because I am his creation. He is not mine. So that's why I do everything out of, without grumbling or complaining. Jennifer can attest to that. <laughs> um, because I want to be blameless and pure. I want to be a child without fault in a warped and crooked generation. I want to shine among the people around me like stars in the sky as I firmly hold to the word of truth. Jesus redefined five relationships, and he, can, uh, he gives us the example of how to do that. 
So as we look at spiritual disciplines in this Renewed Rhythm series, uh, Jesus redefined what it meant to have a relationship with God. Uh, it is no longer the cold side of the dance when you have a relationship with God who loves you, who cares for you. Jesus and his father, Jesus was absolutely obedient to his father. And it's recorded in, in one of the very first stories, the, the, uh, the temptation of Jesus Christ. At the very beginning, as he starts his ministry, he's like, nah, man, I'm not going to do those things. I'm going to do what my father wants me to do. It's demonstrated all throughout his life as he's withdrawing from people to gain strength, to grieve, so that he can be more like Jesus. Jesus is consistently and constantly checking, is this what God wants me to do? And he's unwavering. Hey, Jesus, will you come to this town and do this? No, I've already got an agenda. Jesus had a plan, and he fulfilled his plan. It's also reflected in his last conversation with God in the Garden of Gethsemane. It gets cold around that time for him. And he says to his father, hey, I know this is your will, but if there's any other way that this can be done, you know, I'd really appreciate it. And then he offers himself as a sacrifice on the cross for humanity. And because of that, perfect obedience, God raises him. If you want to understand that relationship better, and you want to work on, have some results in your vertical relationship with God, practice the disciplines. That's what this series is about. Jesus also redefines horizontal relationships with his apprentices. He's washing feet. He's healing the sick. He's feeding people, he is constantly out there giving and serving his disciples. And if you want, again, I'm not going to read the scriptures, but if you want, look at what his best friends say about him decades after he has gone to heaven. Peter, James, John, and then of course the Apostle Paul consistently write about how Jesus was a servant. Jesus taught them to serve. And it was shocking to them the whole time they were with him. So if people are with you and they're not shocked by what a servant you are, practice the one another's. That's, there's lots of one another's in the Bible. And that's a Google, good Google search for you, one another's in the Bible. Serve one another, be patient with, with one another. Gather together with one another. That's a great thing to do. And again, this should all eventually for us become invisible. Don't feel bad. I'm not setting standards up for you. I'm just saying it can be different. Jesus redefines uh, how we exist in the world. Jesus does not come in and create a corporation, exploit the natural resources and take over the world. He doesn't walk around in a fancy suit and drive a Bugatti car. This is not in his characteristic. They thought he was poor and homeless. He put his energy onto certain things that were fantastic. And this church actually does a great job with that. So, um, it's true. Yeah. 
But I'm just going to say, like, it, it, he really did redefine how we view the resources that God has given us. Uh, Jesus all, uh, redefined uh, his relationship with others and enemies. Simply, we have to pray for them. We obey our earthly authorities, even when we don't want to. There's a resource for the organization I work for. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys remember, but there was this like uh, sickness that went through the earth a couple years back, caused a few problems. Um, uh, we have a help desk at the Canadian Center for Christian Charities uh, in Elmira. Woot, woot. Uh, we got some people from Elmira here today. Um, so our phones uh, blew up uh, for two years on um, really about submission issues. You know, how can we, how can we, what can we do to prove that we're right and destroy those who disagree with us? It's essentially what the church began calling us about. Uh, and it was good times for us. Um, yeah, uh, it was good times for all of us. Because the stuff you folks went through, multiply that into every community across Canada. And we're still feeling it, aren't we, today? Yeah. And don't feel bad about feeling it. It was awful. It was awful. And I'm here to say that. It was terrible. But Jesus absolutely redefines how we deal with the government. So there's an article that our CEO wrote about you know, whether we comply, consult, um, <coughs> confront, or disobey. And there's, what's the attitude of Christ in all of this? And I'm going to say, I, I just want people to really seriously consider what would Jesus do? You know? And then Jesus redefines uh, the relationship between us and our own life. And Jesus did not consider his own life worth more than yours. Isn't that crazy? So if I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus, I really can't consider my life worth more than yours. And I don't. So uh, we have a ceremony um, that we uh, do uh, weekly called communion. Uh, and it uh, encapsulate, encapsulates all of these things. Uh, it encapsulates how we relate to our Father, each other, the world around us, our enemies, ourselves. And it's called communion. And it has um, really bizarre elements in it if you're not part of the church. But you're part of the church, so you get it. You get it. You get the seriousness of this. It's to bring home the point that we, had, we have a, a rabbi, a teacher, a savior, who did not consider his own body and or life more important than us, but gave it up willingly for us so that we may be fed and empowered to go into the world and be like him. So this table is open for those of you who want to be nourished by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, there is a routine that we follow. We get up, we come, 
we dip uh, that basket into that cup, that basket into that cup for chemistry reasons. And um, so I'll just take, I'll allow you to take your time uh, as you do that. But let me pray uh, and then I will be done. Father in heaven, you are good to us. Shockingly good. And Father, thank you that your presence shows up in good communities all over Canada. And this is a good community. And I love the dance. We do it well. So Father, I pray that you would help us to put our minds and our hearts into unity, that we may learn to coordinate ourselves better for your service and for your glory, that we will bear with one another when we get the steps wrong, and that we will hustle and learn them when we're not quite sure what to do. God, you are good to us. Thank you very much for today. Amen.